All right, Kevin Barker, so it took until two outs in the fifth inning for the Toronto Blue Jays to manage a hit. And uh, then the sixth inning rolled around, and the hits just kept on coming and coming and coming. 9-3, the Toronto Blue Jays beating the Minnesota Twins in the first of four games at Target Field in Minneapolis. The numbers to call. Because it is Blue Jays talk, and it can only be Blue Jays talk with you. Our 416-870-0590, star 591 590 is the text line. So we got some clarity before the game, Kevin Barker, from Whit Merrifield, just acquired from the Kansas City Royals. He uh, clarified his vaccination status. He's... Already been vaxxed, apparently. I'm sure it very much sounds as if the Royals must have said to him, hey, there's a pretty good chance you're moving at the deadline. How about how about making this easy on us? So that's cleared up. Whit Merrifield telling reporters today that he will be with the Blue Jays in Toronto. So the vaccination status slash border rules are no issue. We saw Anthony Bass pitch tonight, Zach Pop was warming up as well briefly. And Mitch White, the other trade deadline acquisition of the Blue Jays, he's on the taxi squad with the team in Minneapolis. He will likely start on Sunday. But Kevin, so it wasn't just it wasn't just the addition of Whit Merrifield who hit eighth and started in center field tonight. That wasn't the only new wrinkle that John Schneider showed us today. He also moved Bo Bichette down into the fifth spot. Teoscar Hernandez moved into the cleanup spot. This after, what did we say? How many games of, of Bo hitting cleanup? Basically the second game that John Schneider. Games. Yeah, that John Schneider took over. Bo Bichette moved into the, the cleanup spot. And the, the returns were modest, to say the least. Well, lo and behold tonight, Kevin, Bo Bichette, a couple of doubles. Three hits, actually. Uh he was on base uh, for uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s uh, RBIs and then uh, Vladdy Jr. with the with the big hit tonight. But how much of – I understand it's hard to look at the rejigged batting order and say, okay, this is the reason they got nine runs. I mean, it probably wasn't. But do you like the looks of that lineup? And, and do you think – why is it – why is it that it, it – it took the Jays more than half a year to move Bo Bichette out of the number two spot in the order. And then in a matter of three weeks under John Schneider, he's not only moved from the cleanup spot, but he's been dropped to the number five spot because the numbers just weren't there for him out of the four spot. It's impossible to answer that question, but but I'm assuming just because of – John Snyder's been around all of these guys, and and they trust John to make the right decisions. And whatever he says, they're buying into that. And quite frankly, Bo Bichette right now, the way he'd been swinging up until tonight, didn't really have a much of a say so in this. To be honest with you, Jeff, when, when you're hitting the way he's been hitting, you sort of have to listen to what your manager's telling you. And if a guy's hotter than you that's hitting behind you, and John Snyder, your manager, thinks that you're better off as a team by having you move down a spot and having a guy hit cleanup for your team that makes your team better. I mean, it just makes total sense, but for an actual guy to see it, don't let it fester. Don't let it go too long. 
seeing a guy struggling the way Bo's been struggling, you make the move now. Uh, you know, I, will you move him? I don't know. I mean, uh, he looked like he was a little bit more comfortable tonight. He looked like he had a little that, okay, I'll show you looking his at-bats. Now, again, this is about consistency. Can he continue to do that night after night? I still think he swings at way too many pitches that he can't hit. You see one of his bats there, he swings at a ball a foot in off the plate and then a ball that's yeah. like four inches, you know, at his letters. Like most human beings can't cover that much of the strike zone. Even like he's covering, you know, way bigger strike zones. For me, it's more about what he's swinging at than it is where he's hitting the lineup. But give John Snyder credit. Look, ever since I've known him, he's been exactly this way. He he is a take-charge kind of human being. You can see that in the way he's managing this team. And I just think right now by the way he's managing and the way his team looks and they're sort of buying into whatever they're saying. But, uh, uh, Whit Merrifield hit and ran tonight with Loris Correale Jr. on first. Just got here. First game. Like, it's just you're starting to see, I think, sort of that what do we got to lose? We're going to do whatever it takes to win a baseball game. If I got to move my shortstop to the five hole, I'll do it. Yeah, and it, uh, as I said, we, we, I guess we don't really know for certain whether uh, the reason that Charlie Montoya would have been reluctant to make this move, perhaps. I don't know, perhaps it's a move that the manager in the front office need to get together on. It's just I, I find it puzzling that we've gone from a lineup where it was almost as if Bo Bichette and Vladdy were, uh, you know, untouchable to a lineup where if you don't perform, you're going to get moved. I will say the conversations that I had with John in the spring training, this was the lineup he dreamed about. Now, it was more about Bo hitting cleanup, you know, Vladdy hitting second and Bo hitting cleanup, and I, they were sort of filling in the blanks in the three-hole. Obviously, Springer was going to lead off, but this is sort of what the vision of John Snyder was going to look like. Now, I don't, you know, you've noticed he's not afraid to make adjustments, and he's not afraid to make them in a hurry. Again, this is about making the playoffs. This is about getting home field advantage in that first wild card. And the way you do that is not to let things fester and get out of control, and then it's sort of too late to make the move. You'd rather make it too soon than too late. Good for him for doing this. We talked about this on Blair and Barker for 25 minutes about Bo Bichette. What do you do? Do they have the nerve to move him down? You know, do they care about his feelings? I don't think this is about feelings. This is about winning baseball games. You got a guy's hotter than he is. You move him up, maybe that'll set a little fire. I don't really believe in that, but it sure looked to me like tonight he had a little of that in his swings, the aggression. He had a little bit more balance. Uh, you know, he was getting barreled to baseball, even the balls he was hitting foul. Did you see him get the head out on a heater today? Mm-hmm. When's the last time you saw that? He said bats just looked like they were a little bit more of that, okay, you did it, and I'm going to show you that's probably the wrong move. And hopefully he continues to do that. 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590. We'll talk about Alec Manoa's night tonight in a minute, but let's go to Sam and Hamilton get us going. How you doing, Sam? Hey, guys. First of all, great win. Obviously good to see Vladdy and Bo perform tonight. That home run by Vladdy was incredible. Um, but two things I want to talk <laughs> that about. Was, that, was a, that was a missile. Ben Wagner described yeah. it as a missile. That was the perfect. That, that was the perfect word for it. Yeah, there's two things I want to talk about. One, I was kind of disappointed not to see Zach Pop in the game. I mean, I, I don't know if he can touch 100, but I've heard that maybe he can touch 100. So I would I would have loved to see that. 
Um, and second, Whitney Airfield, I'm going to make a bold prediction. Game one of the playoffs, Whitney Airfield is the starting second baseman. He is he's the best base runner on this team, and I just love the way he bats. Like he's, he's as Kevin Barker usually says on Blair and Barker, he's a professional hitter. Yeah, I uh, appreciate the call. I mean, Zach Pop hitting 100, I, I don't know about that. He's usually 96, 97. I've been led to believe it. I, I'm not surprised that we saw Anthony Bass tonight. He hadn't pitched since July 29th. So if you're John Schneider, this is a perfect opportunity to let him get his feet wet because of the two. He's probably going to be your more leverage guy. Just kind of let him air it out in a, in a Jays uniform and you know, kind, kind of figure things out in the bullpen thing. You know, things like that get used to guys. So uh, Zach Pop was up earlier, but once it got to the point where the game was was out of hand, I, I you know I think John Schneider just said let's let's let this guy uh, get acclimated. I'll tell you what, uh, I cannot disagree with you about Whit Merrifield. Now, I think we all know what Whit Merrifield is at this time, and. I think we all know that Whit Merrifield, first and foremost, is here to give some cover for George Springer. This would be my only concern with you because, look, Santiago Espinal, I mean, he's had a rough patch here. Uh, Same as Alejandro Kirk, but Santiago Espinal has has hit a rough patch. It was bound to happen. It happened earlier this year, and he came out of it. Uh, My only concern, I, I, I will say this, I think Whit Merrifield would be in the starting lineup in the first game of the playoffs, Kevin, but he may be in center field for George Springer because I I, I still think that George Springer started tonight DH'd for the first time in four games, four games, first time in four days. Yeah, he's rested, right? If he was healthy mm-hmm. enough to play center field, he would have been in center field tonight. So I think that's a that's a sign of where things are. I think Whit Merrifield's going to see an awful lot of time in center field along with Rymel Tapia. But yeah, he'll 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 get some action at second base if Santiago Espinal scuffles. There's no doubt about that. I'm I'm not well, Sam makes a great point, but I'm I'm not just quite ready to give the job to, you know, away take it away from Santiago Espinal. I think he's earned the right to to have a little rough patch. It's a, it's the big leagues. It's a it's a grind in 162 games. Look at Alejandro Kirk right now. He's grinding. He's a little late. He's a little tardy. Looks like he's swinging underwater. Everybody goes through that. You know, you you have to figure out ways, routines, what you're trying to do to get yourself out of it, to grind through it, to at least give yourself a chance. Alejandro Kirk walked three times tonight. That's how you stay out of big-time slumps is even when you're not your best, you're still taking some pitches, you're still walking, you're still, you know, doing something to help your team win a baseball game. But I'm with Sam. Like, you know, having wit, a professional baseball player, a guy that's been there and done it before, you can tell he knows how to run the bases. He gets good jumps. You know, he didn't – the the ball that he scored on the single, he didn't have a very big lead. He had a short lead, a big secondary lead. He cut the the angles good at third base. Uh, You know, all the sliding, at the the way he did at home plate, he does all the little things. So, yeah, that's just another weapon for John Snyder to use. You can never have too many. And – if they want to go where they ultimately want to go, I think it's going to be a collection of a bunch of people. But, yeah, there's always room for professional hitters, base runners, defenders, and it seems like Whit Merrifield's all of those things. Let's talk about Alec Manoa's game tonight, uh, Kevin. Uh, the slider looked better, I thought, than we'd seen, what, in his past three or four outings? 
he took another liner off the arm. Uh, didn't didn't seem to do any damage, although it did it did seem to shake him up a little bit after you know immediately following immediately following getting hit, which is you know probably par for the course. What did you make of his outing in particular? Because you talked an awful lot about the importance of that slider. Uh, in, in particular, his his use of the slider tonight and, and its effectiveness. It is. Uh, well, again, it gets back to the, the last couple of times he's been hit on the elbow. Now, he's starting to throw a lot more sinkers. And when you're throwing sinkers, you got to put yourself with the, after your finish in an athletic position to be able to defend, defend your position. He, the way he has a little glove jerk and jerks that thing towards the first base bag, that tends to throw his balance off, and that's why you see when he hits the ground with his front foot, he sort of has that spin, and he turns his back after he releases the ball. That's when, when you're throwing sinkers, you're taught as a hitter to stay inside that ball and hit it back where it's pitched, and he's going to have to get a little bit better defending his position. But, look, he, to, to keep the big frame and sink – the way he tries to do it, sometimes it goes it goes you know south a little bit on him. And in the fourth inning there, you saw that he just had a little tough time with the arm catching up. He's a little early with the hips, uh, with the landing foot. Just it seemed like it was a little bit straighter of a front leg than it normally is. You know, he needs a little bit more bend in that to be able to allow the 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 arm to catch up and get it out front the way he wants to. But that that abbreviated windup is you know I I was the one guy the first time I saw him he he needs windup you know he needs that that old windup where you can tell the difference he he has a stretch he has a windup but he is such a big man that that abbreviated windup allows him when it does go off the tracks to get it back on the tracks quicker and that's what he's been able to do with with you know occasionally when he does have issues of, of missing arm side he's able to correct that and and self correct and that's what's most impressive with me is when he, he he hasn't had a good start in a while but it just seems like every time he goes out there he gives you exactly what you think he should give you he gives his team a chance to win i've been saying this when you go on the road and you're facing a decent team that starting pitcher that you has have to give your lineup a chance to figure it out Keep your team in it and close until they did exactly what they did tonight and start scoring runs. So, nothing changed for me. Alec Manoa, if he continues to do this, will be the game one starter. Plain and simple. Let's talk a little bit about Matt Chapman's defense as well. Again, it was on display tonight. Uh, a couple of plays that looked not easy, not routine, but that Matt Chapman turned into no-doubters. Plays that we were talking about this by text plays that are really tougher than they looked on TV. I would, I would love to say to tell young kids to watch him and try and do that. You can't like the, the things he does, the pre, the pre-pitch setup, the, the first move, uh, the way he sets his angles to catch a ball, to have momentum going towards his target. Even when he throws it like a weird angle where he'll backhand it and he'll want to throw it to first base and he still has that angle, he's still trying to follow his throw, get his momentum. It's like that Derek Jeter saying where he always wanted to after he released it sort of follow his throw towards his target. That way he was more accurate. Everything he does, the arm strength, the accuracy, the smarts, uh, again, it's it's where where all of it, uh, everything that should be in line is in line, and I'm with you when you know the little short hops that it looks so tough on TV and in person, and the way he makes it look, and and it's almost like Vladdy is shocked when he doesn't make a good throw. Well, what what mm-hmm. you threw it over there could be just because it's a habit now, the way he throws it and as accurate as it is and as strong as it is, and 
I, I mean, I, I'm I'm to the point now. If he even misplays a ball at all, I'm shocked. I can't believe it. Just because of everything he does, and he 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 has made this team so much better defensively that you can tell he makes a mediocre pitcher better because now they feel like they can pound the zone because they know they got that guy standing at third base that's going to catch absolutely everything. Is there part of his game defensively that maybe surprised you? Because he did have the reputation coming over here as as, a, as an elite defender. I mean, he's a platinum glove winner, so uh, he, he is obviously an elite defender. But are there aspects of his game that are even stronger than you thought? His arm like, strength. I didn't, know, I didn't think he was that quick. I didn't I, think well, he was that quick. I, I, I did. I'd watched enough video of him. I think the arm strength is what's surprising to me, the accuracy of his arm. He, he throws a lot of, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's off balance, but it is odd, which, you know, his, his lower half's going one way, his upper half's going the other way. He he has to change his, his arm slot and is still have the strength and the accuracy to hit Vladdy above the waist and not make him have to go outside the box and try and catch balls he's not capable of catching. So that, I think, is the one thing that's a little surprising because he, he don't lollipop it over there. He'll get it, he throws it, he puts a little hair on it, and he follows his throw, and that's – you know, he's obviously worked on that. That's a habit now. And, again, it's elite. I, there's only a couple of those. The last guy I've seen up close like this, Manny Machado. Now, Manny Machado's a mm-hmm. little bit more, you know, flary. He's got a little flair to it where he'll catch it and lollipop it over there, and it's got that little hump to it because so, he likes to show off. Chapman's not. Chapman just catches it, makes it look easy, throws a bullet to first, and does it the next time and – continues to do it every single time he gets the baseball and it's it is a lot of fun to watch it's almost like you'd pay you'd buy a ticket just to watch him play defense yeah i i think it's terrific i think it's if the guy doesn't care about artistic merit points i i look I, I mean we've been lucky we've had some really good third baseman in toronto he through this year at least and and i think a lot of this has to do with the fact because there's so much shifting now that he's probably forced to make more plays than scott Rowland actually did when he was here but to me he's in the same category with scott Rowland defensively of guys that i've seen uh, with the blue jays and obviously scott Rowland's reputation is uh, as an elite as sure. an elite defender but i think because of the shift because of the amount of ground this guy has to cover in a game and the amount of different the amount of different plays a good defensive third baseman has to make now compared to back in the day uh it it's it's awfully hard to overlook this guy it really is absolutely well you you also seeing him turning double plays at second base which i don't i yeah. played with scott Rowland when i was with the reds i don't really remember him turning double double plays at second base it, 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 it's just little things like always catching the ball in the webbing of your glove sounds simple sounds like every big leader should be able to do that but if you notice you mentioned it where he has to play all the different positions you know he's deep he plays a deep third base he plays a deep shortstop when he's in the shift all those things that go into that and he's still be able to catch all those balls in the in the webbing of the glove makes it look as easy as he makes it look i mean he's separated their defense now from a lot of other teams and that may help them go a little bit deeper in the playoffs 416-870-0590 star 591 590 we will take a break and come back Blue Jays talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And now the Bet365 standings update. 
Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book with 63 million members worldwide. 19 plus play responsibly. Ontario only. The New York Yankees had the night off. Consequently, the Blue Jays at 59 and 46 are now 10 and a half games back of the Yankees, who are 70 and 36. Tampa Bay. They won tonight. They beat the Detroit Tigers 6-2. Tampa Bay is 56-49. The Baltimore Orioles are 54-51. And the Boston Red Sox, they lost tonight 7-3 to the Kansas City Royals. They are 53-54. They are a game under 500. And in the wild card standings, the Blue Jays, Lead the wild card race three games up. Seattle is half a game back. Tampa Bay is uh, right behind Seattle. And then Baltimore is two games back after tonight's action. 416 870 0590, star 591, 590. A reminder that tomorrow night, first pitch is 807 on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Blue Jays Central on the TV side will get you set for it at 7.30 as the Jays play their second game of a four-game series at Target Field in Minnesota. Nice to see so many Canadians at the game tonight. A sellout crowd in Minnesota. I believe I heard uh, it was either Ben or Dan say that it is the second sellout this year for the Minnesota Twins. The first was on opening day. So I would imagine, given the fact that the weather looks like it's going to be Really nice. I would imagine that there will be a ton of Blue Jays fans down there, and hopefully hopefully they get the same type of reaction from the Blue Jays that they got tonight. Again, 9-3, the Blue Jays beating the Minnesota Twins. Ed in Scarborough, you want to talk about Bo Bichette? Yeah, um, yeah, I wanted to talk about Bo Bichette and Whit Merrifield. I'll start with Whit Merrifield. I don't know why... So many people had a negative reaction to the Whit Merrifield pickup because when I think of the championship teams, I think of a guy like a Chris Taylor or Ben Zobris on the Cubs or the Rays, like these versatile guys that could, that you could plug everywhere. Like I don't know why there was a negative reaction with that Whit Merrifield. That one, um, I love the pickup personally, especially with George Springer's situation. But yeah, with Bo Bichette, um, there's going to be a time where he's going to need to be paid. And for him to have an on-base percentage, you know, at or below 300 right now, it really has me scratching my head. Like, yeah, he's still young, but there's so many other good shortstops. And if the right package comes along, I really think the Jays need to listen. And to get that dominant left-handed hitting bat that we desperately need, I think Bobachet, like, should be used as a chip, you know, like – um I don't know, long-term, like I said, I think last time I called, I compared him, like, who knows if he could be Javier Baez. However, he doesn't even have the defense that Javier Baez has. Although, yeah, Bo Bichette's offense last year was unreal. Playing in minor league ballparks might have helped that too. So I'm just going to hang up and listen to you guys. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with Whit Merrifield first. I mean, I, I don't think it was – I don't think anybody disliked the Whit Merrifield acquisition. I think once the vaccination – the vaccination status, I think, confused some people. Um, but as as I said, and I understand, Kevin, you know, Ross Atkins was getting grilled a lot on social media for the way he handled it. He, that that's the only way. There are 
Major League Baseball is a U.S.-based company. There are privacy issues involving health care. And as I said, Ross Atkins' public messaging, the Blue Jays' public messaging in saying we will let Whit Merrifield address it, that has been their mantra since the start of COVID. They have been very, very consistent, not just publicly, but privately as well when it comes to discussing vaccination status. So I think first and foremost, that was one reason. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody doubts that having Whit Merrifield in this team gives the Blue Jays more versatility and makes them better. I think people's concerns were, one, he's another right-handed bat. They've got enough right-handed bats. Two, he is 33. And three, although his numbers are a little better this year, um, he is clearly not the player that he was two years ago. And I understand there are a lot of players like that in baseball. But I don't think that would, Kevin, I don't think that was the reason anybody was upset at what happened in the trade deadline. I think it was more the fact that People and people, and when I say people, I'm not just talking about us. I think there was an expectation that war, more would be done for the back end of that bullpen. I just do. That, to me, is the only, uh, you know, the the part of the trade deadline that was disappointing. I mean, Whit Merrifield's fine. I certainly didn't look at that and go, oh my God, that's a horrible acquisition. Uh, but I also think, Kevin, at the time, one, we didn't, you know, we didn't know Ross Springer's status and, I think we suspected George Springer, uh, Ross Stripling status, and I think we suspected George Springer's status was worse than a lot of people were letting on. Um, but there were a number of factors there with Whit Merrifield. Well, there was, well, there was yeah, going into the trade deadline, everybody that looked at the Blue Jays knew exactly what they needed, and it wasn't Whit Merrifield. Obviously, with the George Springer saga, and that's exactly what it is. You needed more and depth. What it's going to be. You you needed more depth, and you still need that. Like that has not changed. Like it, it, the couple of ads that they added in the bullpen, those are nice ads because they throw a little bit harder, and they've been there, I think, a little bit more and, and done it. So that would be you'd be able to eliminate some minor leaguers that shouldn't be on your team, and now you got a couple of more hard throwers. That, for me, is what that is. I, I it, it was a little bit of a surprise that Whit Merrifield's coming here instead of a guy that you could use in the eighth inning who can strike people out and who throws really hard. But I, I'm I'm with Ed. Ed, you know, is exactly right. On good teams, you need guys that can play everywhere, that can handle the bat, that can use the entire field, that can hit good pitching, that can hit velocity, and Whit Merrifield seems to be able to bring all that. As for Bo? You know, I think we'll we'll we will uh, you know we'll be talking about this fairly frequently. I think in the off season, I think this is this is going to be an interesting off season for the Blue Jays in general. It's not just Bo; they've got a decision to make in Teoscar. Uh, I don't think they want to go into Teoscar's final year uh, pre free agency without some sort of resolution of that. They're, and and your point is is really is really well made. It, it, you know, if this team. I think a lot is is going to depend on what happens in the postseason with this team. I think that will will have a say in maybe the long term future for Bo. But there are some there are some hard decisions that are going to have to be made here. And you know what we we kind of forecasted that. I mean, the longer this thing goes on without without those guys getting you know having long term contracts and without the organization sending some sort of message, some sort of clear message about what they're thinking is with this team, that's I mean, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see too. But again, good shortstops that are young don't grow on trees either. So you got to be careful with 
you know, giving guys like that up. But again, but Ed's point is Ed's point is good. There are so many good young shorts or so many good shortstops in the game right now that the bar is high. No it, question. His point is right. The bar is high as to what constitutes, you know, a an all star shortstop. No question. And and I, I'm assuming whatever bat that would be that's left handed. It would cost you, and maybe it would start with Bo Bichette or or Gabby Marino. It's going to be interesting the offseason. I'm with you. I think Bo can answer a lot of these questions by how he finishes the season. You know, he can put some some real confidence in the organization's mind, saying that okay, he's made some adjustments offensively. He's turned the corner. He'll be hard to give up. Or if he doesn't, maybe it'd be easier that way to to move on from it and try and find something better. Nine to three, the final tonight. The Blue Jays beating the Minnesota Twins, the first of four games. Game two of that series goes tomorrow night, eight ten Eastern. Ben Wagner will have the call from Target Field. Mr. Barker and myself will be on Sportsnet five ninety the fan, the Sportsnet Radio Network, and Sportsnet three sixty as per usual from ten to noon Eastern tomorrow. So thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game ready Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans.